0: How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, it's summertime. Y'all should be excited. Y'all kids. Come on, y'all don't have school to go to tomorrow. Parents, you still got to go to work. So sorry, I don't have an out for you. But um, man, I'm excited to be back here in San Marcos. I, uh, uh, as Tiff mentioned, uh, Pastor Peter has been really one of my closest friends for probably the better part of the last decade. um, When he Made the transition from being the, the campus guy here to, to being the lead pastor. I was with him uh, along that ride, just kind of being a, a, someone that he could bounce some ideas off of. We certainly prayed a lot together, uh, a bit, spent a lot of time praying with uh, him and Elisa about wanting to have another baby. They had, they had Hattie. By the way, my oldest daughter is Hattie, with H-A-T-T-I-E, and so he somewhat copied us, I tell him that. He's like, no, 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 it's, it's H-A-D-D-I-E. I'm like, yeah, 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 it doesn't matter. Sounds the exact same. Um, but, uh, you know, when they had Hattie and then they wanted to have uh, baby number two, just had the hardest time. And, uh, and I told him, I said, look, man, I pray for people. They get pregnant. Just know that. And he said, well, pray for us. So I prayed for them and then boom, boom, boom. They had three more right after that. So if anybody needs a little prayer for some babies, come uh, know what you're getting. I actually prayed for one guy and his wife. This was my best friend back in Houston. They had one baby, couldn't get pregnant. They now have Eight and I'm not making that up. A year after I prayed for them, they had triplets. Uh, about a year and a half after that, they had twins, and they've had a couple of singles mixed in there. So just know what you're getting into. I'm happy to pray for you, but I can't, you can't control what happens when uh, we get the Holy Spirit involved. Uh, but I love your church, uh, uh, love your pastors, love your team. Um, I did not travel alone today. I brought my, my second daughter. This is Lane. Everybody say hi to Lane. She is my... Uh, my second child, my youngest daughter, and then I've told you about Hattie, and then this is Lane, and then she's got a little brother named Bo, who was here last time with me. Last time, I traveled with you guys. It was funny. I put my I put my stuff on this uh, uh, this this podium here, and I don't know if anybody was there this time. The very first time I came and preached at your church, this was probably I don't know four or five years ago, but um, I had my iPad and I had my Bible, and I walked away from it, and this thing just started leaning, and my my iPad starts to. To slide off of the podium, and Pastor Peter lays out, I mean, he's horizontal from the ground and catches my iPad. He saved it from certain doom. So I, I still owe him, I still owe him uh, probably at least the value of an iPad. But he he saved, saved my iPad that day. Was anybody here for that? Okay, a couple of you remember that. I don't even know how I finished the sermon after that. I was like, man, Superman is on the front row. Like he just laid out and caught it. Um, but I understand you guys are in the midst of a series called The Unshakables. Have y'all gotten a lot out of this so far? Has it been a blessing to you? Are you guys actually going through the purple book? You go, okay, physically going through the purple book. That's really good. So, so my family, we're actually going through the purple book together this summer. Now, one of our objectives for the summer that, that not only my wife and I uh, going through it, but bringing our three kids into it as well, and, and they're all writing in and filling it out, and, and we're asking questions and making sure we really understand what the, what the purple book is trying to teach us, but it's not so much what the purple book is teaching, but it's, it's really what this book. Is teaching. We want to know, what does the Word of God have to say about my life? And the purple book, and I know you know this, it's, it's building on a foundation. Now the Bible itself tells us that no foundation can be laid other than the one that has already been laid, that is Jesus Christ. So we want to figure out who is Jesus, what does he have to say about me, how has he instructed me to live my life, and when we can build our life on that type of foundation, we are unshakable. And it doesn't mean that storms aren't going to come, this isn't promising a storm-free life, but rather a storm-proof life. How many of you know there's a difference? Storms are going to come. Say that with me. Storms are coming. Storms Storms are coming, but we don't have to be affected by it. I I mean, we just, I just this past week walked through a a massive storm and I'm still here. Still woke up this morning reading my Bible and praying, God, what do you want to say to me today? I can be shaken. I can be stirred, but I'm not, it's not going to affect me. All right. I think about, when I think about foundations, I often think about uh, 9-11 and I think about what the the twin towers that, that stood on that day, how they took an impact from, a, from a, a jet that was flying several hundred miles per hour. Now, if that landed into this building or ran into your house, there would be zero sign of that house standing after that. But on the Twin Towers, when the when the planes hit those buildings, the, y'all, I mean, they stood for, what, another 45 minutes or something like that without falling. Why is that? Because they had extremely deep foundations. In fact, I, I read, a, there was a... a some journal that was written several months after that, and they said that they went through and they analyzed the blueprints of the, of the Twin Towers, and it said that the foundation was strong enough that they could have survived an impact from a 737 or a 747. It just so happened that the two planes that hit them that day were 757s, and it was just enough to cause it to fall. But think about the importance of a foundation. No matter what comes at you, if your foundation is deep, then you'll be able to stand. But if, you're, if, it's on, if it's on shaky ground, then anything will overtake you. And so we're on part five of this series, and we're going to talk about, if you're taking notes, you can write down unshakable hunger. If you're not taking notes, you can still write down unshakable hunger. I think it'd be good to go ahead and take notes anyway. Um, every element of our foundation is important. I know so far you've probably talked about sin and salvation. You've talked about lordship and obedience. You've talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. All these elements, don't get me wrong, are extremely important, but I would argue that the most important part of the foundation is having a dynamic and vibrant relationship with this book right here. Now, I told you this last time, and I'm going to say it again. If I don't hear a couple of amens, I'm going to think I'm just missing. I, I go longer. Actually, I will preach for like four hours if I don't hear some amens. But if you amen me, I'll be like, okay, they're getting it. I can land the plane. So it's up to you. What time we get out here, it's all on you. So this word is important. Okay, good, good, good. Well, oh, I was like, yeah, he needs to shut up. Let's just, let's amen this as quickly as possible. Um, but you know when we when we think about building our lives on this word here's what i've seen and i've been around the world i've talked to a lot of people that claim to be christians they claim to be followers of jesus but they have zero relationship with this word and here's what i've found is they have kind of discovered their own version of faith they've discovered their own version of what it means to follow christ so they've kind of had this self discovered piety that they think, well, because I'm kind of living according to what I believe the Bible probably says, that I'm okay. And how many of you know that's, that, that's a good way and a very easy way for us to get off track and somehow begin walking in a form or a, a version of what we consider godliness, chasing after what our, t- our tickling ears want to hear, but we have completely strayed from the truth. See this word right here is what keeps us centered. This word right here is what keeps us anchored in knowing that we are walking in the truth. The Bible actually talks about and this is going to be the core of our of our message today that because it's called unshakable hunger, the Bible actually refers to itself as the bread of heaven. Do y'all remember the story when, when Moses they, he needed to feed the Israelites and he prayed, and they and all of a sudden bread began coming down from heaven called manna, and that's what they fed on. And I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpack this more as we go, but we understand that, that there is a there's actually spiritual food available for us that God wants us to consume. Now, uh, come on, now, see, he wants to he's getting me getting to land the plane sooner. I like it. But if you think about it this way. How many of you, and I'm talking in the physical sense, have ever felt hunger before? Show of hands. Okay, it's about 100%. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you just don't want to participate. Nothing I've asked is going to make you participate. But we have felt some level of physical hunger before. Now, typically, we, we want to go and we find the, the closest thing, the easiest thing to make. My wife was out of town, my wife and my kids. They left town last week, and I was home by myself for three days. I ate cereal because I know how to make that, I won't burn that, Uh, peanut butter and jelly, and then I order pizza, all right? Now, a couple of days of that will be okay, but how many of you know if that becomes your, your only diet, what begins happening to your physical body? It begins to shut down. It will not work for you. My daughter, in fact, I was telling my daughter last night, we came into Austin a little bit early. We had a little daddy-daughter time, went and saw a movie last night, and, and I noticed that between the lunch that we ate uh, right before we left, which was, I won't tell you what it was, but it wasn't good, to our dinner, to the snacks at the movie, I had had three consecutive meals of junk, and I, in the middle of the movie, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I'm having a stalk of broccoli for breakfast tomorrow. I mean, I feel miserable. But if we walk around malnourished in our physical body, we know what's going to happen. This is our spiritual, our soul needs to be nourished. But do you know there are a lot of malnourished spiritual Christians walking around today? And we're wondering why we're getting beat up. We're wondering why we have no victory. We're wondering why we just can't get breakthrough. We're wondering why we can't hear from God. It's all right here in the bread of heaven. Amen? Are you all with me today? All right, so if you've got your Bibles today, I want you to turn to two places. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6 and John chapter 6. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. I'm actually going to go through a lot of scripture today, but, uh, but we will end in John chapter 6. A couple fun facts about the Bible. Um, the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblios, which just means book. So anytime you say, I'm reading my Bible, what you're literally saying is, I'm reading my book. What sets this book apart from every other book is those four little letters in the front of it. It's the word holy. This is the holy book. We call it the Bible because it was actually, there, there was a city, this is in, in uh, uh, ancient Palestine, that was called Biblion. And it was a it was a port city that, that ships would come into, and the number one uh, uh, number one thing that was imported into Biblion was another another uh, uh, industry called papyrus, which is where we get what word paper. So paper was actually imported into Biblion, and that's where they 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 transcribed and, and assembled most of the early Bib- Biblios Bibles. And because that was the number one book being written, they just called it the Bible. They called it Biblios. But when we put the word holy in front of it, that's what breathes life into it. I've got a whole uh, library at my house full of Bibles, but I only have a handful of holy Bibles. This is the holy book. Now, it's, conscri- it's, it's got 66 books in it. There's 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. 66 books. A couple of stats here that I'll read out to you. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. 1,189, that's 929 in the Old Testament, 260 in the New Testament, that's about 18 chapters per book. There are a total, and I stayed up last night counting these for you, 31,102 verses in the Bible. 31,102. That's 23,145 in the Old Testament, 7,957 verses in the New Testament, on average about 26 verses per chapter. Now it's interesting, when you think about there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible, you round that up to an even 1,200, 365 days a year. What that means is you can read the Bible cover to cover in a year with three chapters a day. Three chapters a day should take you about 15 minutes. If you're a, a slow reader like me, and I'm actually a fast reader. I'm a slow uh, consumer. It takes me a while for things to, for me to remember what I read. Anybody else like that? You read something and be like, huh? You got to go and read it again? Might take 20, 25 minutes, but three chapters a day, you read your entire Bible in a year. Well, what if we decided, hey, I'm going to do an hour a day. I'm going to read six chapters a day. That means in six months, you've read your entire Bible. If you decided, hey, I want to I read the entire Bible in 10 days, you could do that. Now, you're not going to get a whole lot else done. I'm sorry, 12 days. You read 100 chapters a day. You, you, you either got to be on vacation or not have kids. But if you wanted to do that, that's what you could do. But f- start figuring out some different programs that is going to get you in this Bible. Now, I would encourage you, if you haven't done this already, go to your smartphone. Most of you will have a smartphone. And find the Uversion Bible app, and they will have reading programs in there for you. I, that's, what, that's what I follow every day. I do the one-year Bible Read it this morning. I was in Job chapter, I think it was twenty-five and twenty-six, in Acts chapter eleven, and that was what I read this morning. And it's it's going to follow it along. But one thing I noticed is that today is actually day number one hundred and eighty-three of the calendar year. Do you know what that means? How many days are in a year? Three sixty-five. What's the halfway point? Is one eighty-two point five. Today is day one eighty-three. What that means is today is the first day of the second half of the year. Now you remember January first, right? Because everybody in this room woke up with a case of the do betters. Oh yeah, it's my year. I'm losing weight, I'm getting in shape, I'm getting my finances in order. I'm gonna read my Bible every day. And then two weeks later, you're like, 2018 ah, is only, you know, it's only another 12, 11 and a half months away. But today we can start over. We can make the back half, the second half of this year, better than the first. Somebody say Amen. And I think it starts with a commitment to reading this word. Getting this word inside of us, living according to this word, will change the way you live. Now, if you don't have a Bible, go buy a Bible. Go buy a Bible. And and after 30 days, if you will commit to reading your Bible for 30 days, if you are not completely satisfied, Pastor Peter will give you your money back. All right? Now, he didn't know I just committed him to that, but I think he'd be glad to do it. But give yourself 30 days, go read your Bible, and you will start seeing a vibrant change in your life. Now, here's some interesting, one more thing, and then I'm going to get into my points. My, my, My intros are always longer than my sermons. But we talked about how many chapters and how many verses there are. The middle verses in the Bible... There's actually two, because there's an even number of of verses in the entire Bible, so you can't have a middle verse. There's a middle two verses. Um, It's Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. There's 15,550 verses before Psalm 103, 1, and 15,550 after Psalm 103, verse 2. But here's what Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2 say. You'll know this one. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Isn't that cool that's the centerpiece of the Bible? That is the midpoint of the Bible. Is Look, I know I talked about all my laws. I talked about all the history and all that stuff. But bless the Lord, all oh my soul. And by the way, forget not his benefits because that's coming. That's the second half of the Bible. I'm going to talk about all the benefits because that's when you hit Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the way through to Revelation, we hear about all the benefits of God's word. And so the middle, the, the, the middle two verses, Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2, if you want to know what the middle chapter is, in the Bible? Does anybody know what the middle chapter is? Psalm 117. Two verses in the whole chapter. So if you're saying, hey, I'm going to go memorize a chapter of the Bible today, start with one se- chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 117. It's two verses long. So if you're taking notes, let's start here. Number one, the daily bread. The daily bread. Exodus 16 verse 4 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Matthew 6, verse 11 says this. Give us this day, everybody say today. Today. Give us today our daily bread. Have you ever felt weak or tired in your spirit? Have you ever felt like every prayer you pray hits the ceiling and bounces back down. It doesn't get into, into to God's throne. God isn't paying attention. Is, am I the only one that has ever felt that way? Have we ever been in a place where we feel weak spiritually? What Matthew 6 is telling us is the same thing that Exodus 16 is telling us, is that God has daily bread that he wants to give us. God has a daily dose that he wants to put inside of us, every single day, so that we have the nutrients that we need, so that we have, thank you, my friend, that we have the nourishment that we need. Now, there's a lot of people that, and I know that Pastor Peter is a man who loves to fast, who loves to pray, but I think there's a lot of Christians that are on the wrong side of a spiritual fast. They are fasting their spirit because they're not getting their daily bread. What that literally means is that God has a daily word that he wants to give us. He has a daily direction that he wants to take us. There's literally been countless times where I have read something in the Bible, God has spoken something into my spirit, that that day, either it affected a decision I made or or an attitude I had, the way I responded to someone, or I I was interacting with someone else and I realized, man, that word I got this morning was actually for them. And I'm able to share that. It's our daily bread. It's getting a daily dose of what God wants to put on the inside of us. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, I love technology, but sometimes it kind of blank out on us. Um, there we go. So the problem I run into a lot of times as I'm, as I'm discipling people and I'm talking to them about their relationship with the Lord is they say, you know, when I read the Bible, I just have a hard time understanding what in the world he's talking about. And, and I get that. Sometimes they're, 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 we, we get into a version of the Word that we just don't really understand what they were saying or what they were doing or what the, what the context of, of the whole story is. And, and I'm, I'm here to encourage you today, there's actually different translations of the Bible that will help you understand it even better. So there's the, 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 first, the first style in what most preachers preach from is called an exact equivalency translation. And that's going to be your King James Bibles, your New King James Bible, or your New American Standard Bible. The King James Version, for those of you that don't know, that's where we get the thou shalt not <clears throat> And you read it in the Old King's English, and I've got, I mean, I've got some old, old people that I've, I've done a lot of life with, that that's all they read is the King James Version, because they are convinced that's the version Jesus himself read. Some of you got that. And, and they're like, well, brother, if you want, if you, want an exact, you know exactly what was being said, you can read the King James Version. I'm like, you know what? Maybe if I was alive in 1450, the King James Version might be relevant to me. So I like to read the New King James Version, but that's when I study. Now all the scriptures that you're going to see appear today are going to be from the New King James Version. That's in another exact equivalency. It just modernizes the terminology a little bit. But then there's also, and so the exact, the exact equivalency is actually translated word for word from the original Greek and Hebrew languages. It's translated word for word. But then there's what's called a dynamic equivalency translation. And dynamic is actually translated thought for thought. So, this, the, the NIV, so I think probably a lot of you read the NIV or the, the New Living Translation. These are some dynamic equivalency translations that are more thought for thought, and it, and, it, and it just helps us to understand the bigger picture of what God's trying to say. Now, that's what I read in my quiet time. I like, this is actually my NIV Bible, the one I brought with me. I like to read the NIV because when I'm in my quiet time and I just want to hear from God, I don't want to have to try to think about, well, what was he really trying to say here? All I want to know is, God, what are you saying to me right now? Okay? But then, there is another um, paraphrasing of the Bible that, uh, that I would imagine some of you really enjoy. And it is called... Um, uh, 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 it's just called a paraphrase. Now, this is, for they, instead of going back to the original Greek or the original Hebrew, they go off the translations, and then they paraphrase it in a way that we can understand. Now, there's one out there that I really, really like, and it's called the Message. Has anybody ever read the Message Bible? The Message Bible, it, it, you'll notice it doesn't have verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. It'll say, you know, verse 1 through 5 kind of is, here's what he's trying to get across. And so it's a paraphrasing of it. Now, I'm not telling you to build your entire theology around this message translation, but if you read something in the New King James or even in your NIV that you just don't quite understand, you can go over to the Message Bible, and they have it on that same app that I was telling you about, and you can get an understanding of it. To kind of give you an example, you know, in Psalms where it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The way the message would translate that would be something to the effect of, hey, dude, let's go to church. It'll be fun. Like, that's, that's kind of the way he, he'll paraphrase it, but it's a way that we can understand and better apply it to our lives. Psalm 68 verse 19 says this, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. What we have to understand is that there is a daily bread, a daily benefit that we have from the word of God. And whatever translation you've got to get yourself in front of that you can understand it, you need to go after and get your daily dose from the Lord. I think if we paid as much attention to being in front of the word in our lives as we did to making sure our cell phone was charged, I think our lives would totally change. You know, I've got my iPad here. I've got this battery right here. It tells me it's at 67%. What if our spiritual life, what if we had that same meter? I think a lot of us would realize we've been running on E for a long time. It's not hard to get back up to full. We just got to get back in front of the word. Number two, not only is is the word of God our daily bread, but number two, it is our sustaining bread. Our sustaining bread. Matthew chapter four, verse three. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, that's the devil. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, a lot of you know this story. Jesus has just finished 40 days of fasting. He has not had anything to eat, anything to drink for 40 days days. Okay. If I go 40 minutes, I start getting cranky. Jesus has been at it for 40 days. All right. And so the devil comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, so he's challenging his, his identity, who he is. That's another message for another time. But he says, if you're really that guy, I know you're hungry. See these stones, turn them into bread. So you have something to eat. That would be a very real temptation, especially with bread. Now, I don't know about you. I love me some bread. When I read this, I was thrilled because it helped me to know that the Atkins diet is not of God. You're supposed to eat bread. I also know Jesus from the South because he never called it dinner, he called it supper. That's how I know, but I, I'm digressing. J- the devil comes and says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written. There were three temptations that happened that day in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus responded with every single one of them with, it is written. How do we overcome? How do we overcome the enemy is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This is the word of our testimony, the testimony of who Christ is in us. Jesus overcame by saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that is a active term. That, that is an actual verb. It's, a, it's an action uh, word. It's proceeding, actively proceeding from the mouth of God. Notice he didn't say every word that preceded. Is it, is it possible that God is speaking still today? Is it possible that there is something that God wants to put in us today to sustain us, to help us to get through? Yeah, I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful. This actually, my salvation happened on July 11th, 1998. So in nine days, I will celebrate my 19th birthday. Don't I look good for 19? No, I don't. But my 19th birthday in Christ is going to be nine days from now. I'm thankful for that moment. And I'm also thankful that that when I die, there will be another salvation. There's another salvation that will take place when I get promoted into heaven. But in between July 11th, 1998 and whatever date the Lord seems uh, reasonable to take me home, daily I'm being saved. That's what 1 Peter 1 tells us. Daily we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. I need the word of God every day. I need the word that today precedes From his mouth. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. Moses writes this. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. The Bible is the only thing that can sustain and nourish our souls. We live by the word of God. We must read and meditate on God's word. Have you ever heard the term before how a cow chews the cud? We, we actually get our word meditate from that exact same word of chew the cud. I don't know how they're connected, but when a, when a cow chews the cud, he will literally take the hay or the straw, whatever it is that he's consuming, and he'll eat it. And it goes into one of his like 37 stomachs. I'm not sure how many stomachs actually have, but I think it's 12 stomachs. And then he will actually, some of it will come back up and he will chew it again get more nutrients out of it, and then he'll swallow it. And then some more will come back up, and he'll chew it again, and he'll begin to swallow it until it's completely broken down, and then it can, it, can, it can affect and impact his body. When we meditate on the Word of God, it's like, I read that this morning, but later in the day, I want it to come back up. So I want to say, God, that was, that was really interesting, what you, what that little word that you, you spoke to me this morning. And then, and then you go on about your day, and then later on, it comes back up. It's meditating, and we're, we're thinking about it, always having it, in front of us. We need natural bread to sustain our natural bodies. We need the spiritual bread to sustain our spiritual bodies. Isaiah 55 verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Now, I'm going to go on a little bit of a soapbox here. But I believe that there, are, there is a void That a lot of us have in our lives. And instead of going to the word to fill that void, maybe that void is uh, rejection. We're battling rejection. Or maybe that void is um, pride. You know, we, we just, we feel, we are discouragement. There's something that's in us that we don't feel right about. We are going outside of the word and we're trying to find it out there somewhere. I believe one of the biggest voids that we see on a daily basis, especially with a with younger generation, is the void of rejection. We so desperately want to be accepted that instead of going out and finding acceptance or, or, or going to get, get God's acceptance, we try to self-promote. I, I actually posted this on Facebook not long ago. It's, it's, they really should call them narcissists. That just doesn't have the same ring as selfies. But, I mean, I, and I've got people, these are some, some members of the church, like people that I've done a lot of life with that, honest to you, like three or four times a day, if not more than that, they're posting a selfie. I'm like, I don't care what your eyeliner looks like. I really don't. I don't care what the, what the baby, like I just don't really care. But what I've realized is that there is, there is something inside us that's broken and that just wants somebody to say, hey, I like it. Hey, I, I heart it. Hey, ha ha. Like we just want to know, is somebody out there that's going to accept me? And I think if we got in here every day and let, allowed, allowed God to minister to that part of us, we wouldn't feel that need to go out and get it from somewhere else. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the women for just a minute here, especially you single women. If we don't learn how to do that now, we're going to go after the first guy that just pays us a little bit of attention, even though he is a complete deadbeat. And if we don't have a total conviction about who we are and the value that we are, then we're going to go get it from someone else that's it's ill-equipped to give it to us. If you take a half of a person and you connect them with another half of a person, to become one, that half times a half becomes a fourth. You've got to have two whole people to come together to make one. And it starts with a commitment to the Word of God. That was not in my notes, but somebody needed to hear that. Hosea 56. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now think about that scripture. He said, my people, not the world... Not sinners, not those who are on their way to hell. My people, the believers, are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. They don't know my word. Job 32, verse 12. Job says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What is he saying right here? I would rather not eat and read my Bible than not read my Bible and eat. I have treasured the word of Of God more than my necessary food. Joshua 1 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, now let me stop right there. What's he saying? Meditate on it, do what it tells you to do, and then, so here's the condition if you do that, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God, why am I not prospering? God, why am I not successful? Here's the formula. Get in the word, meditate on it, and actually do what it says. Jesus himself said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I'm telling you to do? And I think there's a lot of, there, there's not only malnourished Christians, but I think, I think a lot of us err on the other side of it. Well, we're just fat. Oh, brother, I've been in the word. Been in the Word all day, listening to sermons, and I go to church, I'm at every Bible study. Okay, but when's the last time you actually did what the Bible told you to do? When's the last time you actually tithed? When's the last time you actually led somebody to the Lord? When's the last time you actually shared the gospel with somebody? When's the last time you actually went and served? When's the last time you actually loved your neighbor? Now, I'm stepping on some toes here, but if I, you know, I told the team earlier when we were praying, I said, listen, my goal is that no one leaves here the same as when they came in. So sometimes we got to get rattled a little bit. And by the way, I've had to preach this message to myself. So this is not me being holier-than-thou, some self-righteous. I have to go out and do this too. But if we consume the Word but don't do it, we're just becoming these fat Christians that are suddenly becoming judgmental with a holier-than-thou attitude. And Nobody wants that. It's take in and do. Take in and do. That's what Joshua 1.8 is telling us to do. And by the way, when we do that, prosperous and successful. So I'm going to ask a question, and you're going to know the answer. But what is the most important thing that we can do every single day? Just read our Bible. But I feel far too many of us make this an afterthought. Oh, I didn't get to read my Bible today. So did you forget to eat? I bet you checked Facebook. I bet you checked your email. I bet you went to Instagram. Instagram. I bet you looked at your bank account. I bet, I bet there were some things that you do without fail every single day. We've got to make this as much of a priority, actually more of a priority than any of those other activities. It's the bread that sustains us. Number three, it's my last point. <clears throat> it's the bread of heaven. It's the bread that sustains us. But number three, it is the true bread. John chapter 6, I had you there earlier. We're going to look at verse 31. The Pharisees are talking to Jesus and they said this, Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. Now notice they said, he got, uh, Our fathers got bread from heaven. Jesus said, But you did not get the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33 For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Skip down to verse 48. Jesus again. Luke twenty two nineteen, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, just like we did today when we took communion, and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why am I telling you this? When we read the Bible, and we understand it is the true bread of heaven, and who, not what, who the true bread of heaven actually is, we are consuming Jesus, every single day. What does it say in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word, what? Was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Revelation 19, Verse 11, now I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and, his head, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God. Who is this talking about? It's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. When we read the word of God, we are partaking of Christ's nature. How many times have we been in a situation in life where we responded in a way that we wish we hadn't? How many times do we find ourselves in a situation where things are not quite going the way we want them to go and we're not sure what to do? We're lost, and we're scared, and we're fearful. We just want our parents or somebody to come in and make the decision for us. But when we allow the Word of God to get in us, we get Jesus inside of us. Yes, the Holy Spirit, which y'all talked about last week, is an important part of that. But do you realize that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will never disagree with each other? And a lot of times we get emotional. We think, oh, this is what the Lord's saying. And we just attribute it to the Holy Spirit. If we get an abundance of the word inside of us, we'll never wonder if we're actually hearing from God. Because it lines up with the word of God. We've got to get Jesus inside of us and the way to do it is through the bread of life. Get him on the inside of us. John chapter five, verse 39, Jesus said this, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life? These are what testify of me. Jesus is the true bread that came down from heaven. We need him every day. God's word has the power to transform us. And it's not just information that he gives us. It's revelation. It's transformation. It actually will change the way you think. It'll, it'll, it'll change the hard drive out of, of, of how you believe. We all have what I call this rut in our minds. and it's, I call it stinking thinking. And we just, we think the same way. We wake up every day with the same lies attacking us. Come on, you're no good, you're fat, you're always gonna be broke, you're ugly, your sister's prettier than you are. I mean, we just have this going over and over and over and over again in our heads. And we've gotten so used to it, we just let that tape play over and over and over again. And we just try to figure out a way that we can make it through life even though we're just completely, a completely broken piece of junk. But when we get in here... And in fact, I've got these scriptures, they're all falling out of my Bible now, but I've got uh, these identity scriptures here. I need my mind renewed, but I don't need it renewed by Oprah. I don't need it renewed by, by these, these self-help leadership gurus that I follow on Instagram, even though I do follow those guys on Instagram, because every once in a while they'll drop a nugget that I think's pretty good. I need it renewed by the word of God. And so I've got to get in front of this thing every day. Jeremiah 29, 11, I have a destiny in God. I know the plans that the Lord has for me are plans for prosperity, not to harm me, he plans to give me a hope and a future. I am part of an overcoming church built on the rock of Jesus Christ against which the gates of hell cannot be victorious. Galatians 3, I'm a child of Abraham by faith. And therefore, an error, according to the promises that God made to Abraham, Romans 8, there is no condemnation in my life because I am in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, that's four scriptures, but you feel better, don't you? You're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I am a child of God. And all of a sudden, we start beating our chest because we realize the devil is nothing but a lion punk. And he's got you on autopilot. He's got me on autopilot. How do we overcome? By the blood of lamb and the what? Word. How did Jesus overcome? It is written. The devil, if he had the audacity to come and to tempt Jesus and try to deceive him, do you think he's going to come after you? But man, we're just walking around like puppets. Yeah, you're right. I am no good. Yeah, you know what? I am worthless. Not true. The word of God says that you are a treasure. You are fearfully and wonderfully made that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. There is no good thing that he's withholding from you because you walk uprightly. He's gonna work all things together for the good because you love him and you're called according to this purpose. And that neither height nor death, neither angels nor demons, the presence of the future nor any power, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's the truth that Jesus, the true bread, wants to get inside of you, but we've gotta be in front of it Every day. Every day. I'm preaching better than y'all are responding. (laughs) We have the secret to miracles. Right here. We have the secret to a life that others look at with envy. I'm not telling you to create envy in other people, I'm saying, but if you live your life according to this, all of a sudden you become the standard. But it's like Paul said, I'm not the standard, he said, but follow me as I follow Christ. But it starts with a rock-solid commitment to the Word of God. A steady diet in God's Word, I've got this up here for you, revives our soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, rejoicing in the heart. Number two, it directs our path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We need direction. We need to know which way God's taken us. The word of God helps us there. The word of God teaches, corrects, and trains us. 2 Timothy 3 tells us, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, and it satisfies. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Listen. The Word of God is the absolute source that we have to have every day. We have to have it every day. We are saved through the Word of God, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed. The Word of God is living and it's active. It's sharper than any two edged sword. It is purer than gold. It is sweeter than honey. The Word of God is the lamp to our feet, the light to our path. It is everything that we need, and it all centers around the person of Jesus. Now, I'm gonna gonna transition here and and we're gonna begin to close. Um, But I believe that the reason many of us, Tiff, if you can go ahead and come on up. The reason many of us don't have a dynamic relationship with this word is because we've lost out on a dynamic relationship with the person of this word. We're, we're We're checking the boxes i'm not saying you're a bad person i'm not saying you're evil or corrupt but what i'm saying is that've you've, you've we've switched from this vibrant relationship with Jesus to a sterile dutiful acting out in in serving in church or going to bible study and checking all the boxes and hoping that somehow God will qualify us because we've, we've checked all the boxes. And what I'm here to tell you today is that if, if you read this word and it's just, it's just mechanical, it's like, well, I did my three, he said to read three chapters a day, so I did my three chapters. God, can you bless me? Then you've missed it. Completely missed it. We get in here and we read it because we want to understand what God is saying to us through this and in, in, in so doing that our relationship with him goes to the next level. Now, I believe the reason Pastor Peter asked me to come here and preach this word to you is because I think God is not only trying to get you into his word, but trying to get you into his presence on a daily basis. It would be great if we could all gather here every single day and our worship team could come up and and do everything they can to try to get us engaged in the presence of God, but at some point, you and I have to decide, this is my relationship with the Lord. I have the relationship with the Lord right now that I want. I have the relationship with the Lord right now that I've sacrificed for. Now, for some of you, that may be a fantastic vibrant God speaking to you every day you're daily you're repenting but he's also filling you with courage and hope and love but there's others that when I say that you think this is the relationship I've I've sacrificed for but it's not the one that I want that can change today July 2nd 2017 is the first day of the back half of this year my prayer for every one of us is that we leave this place different than when we came in. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to close yourself off from everybody around you. I don't want you to think about the person to your right or to your left in front of you, behind you. Right now, it's you alone with Jesus. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I have the relationship with Him today that I want?